you could please stand for the reading of God's word if you're able to. That would be great. And I'm reading from Galatians 2, verse 20 to 21, so it's not going to take long here as I read this. And this is from the CSB version. And it says, that's a Christian standard Bible, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Thank you. You may be seated. We're in the series of Galatians with the thought of plus nothing. Plus nothing, it's by the grace of God that we are saved and only by the grace of God that we are saved. We can't add anything to it and we shouldn't even want to add anything to it because we could never add enough to save ourselves. Because no matter how much we would add, we would still fall down. We would still be sinful people. We would still disappoint the perfect creator. It's by grace that we're saved. We needed Jesus. Every other religion in the world believes in a system of works that you have to earn your salvation. You need to do a certain amount of things to reach a certain level of existence, to reach a certain level of satisfaction to God. But Christianity is the one religion of the world which believes in a relationship with God based not upon laws, based not upon doing a certain amount of things, of works, but based upon the grace of God saving us, based upon Jesus. It's hard for us to understand because it takes our eternal life out of our control, and we don't like this. Now, you could probably answer this for me because I've said this for several weeks in a row now. I try and summarize the sermon series for you each week to beat it into your head, but we don't like this thought because we like to be in control of our lives. But the sooner we realize that we're not in control, the sooner we realize that Jesus is enough and he's in control, the better we'll be. Because that's when true life begins, is when we surrender to Jesus. Do you believe in the truth? All the truth and nothing but the truth, plus nothing? This is where life begins. The kids today are going to be doing an illustration in their children's church. I thought I would do the same illustration for you today. And I'm happy to do it because I'm ready to get these gloves off my pulpit stand. But you see these gloves. I'm going to read to you a little bit about gloves now, these are actually cold weather, like hunting gloves. They're not really work gloves, but I think you get the illustration still about gloves. You see, one day I had some work to do around the house. So I went to the store, and I bought some gloves because I, I couldn't find my gloves. I don't know about you guys, but I own like 20 pairs of gloves, especially work gloves. It feels like anytime you need them, you can't find them. I keep a pair in each vehicle. I keep a pair in the basement. And somehow they still disappear. Part of that might be I have a six-year-old son who likes to walk around with them and look like dad. And I love that. But here's the thing about gloves. I don't really know why they call them work gloves. You see, they don't do any work. Look at them. They're just flat. They're kind of lazy. They look like me when I'm laying on the couch late at night and just watching TV, <laughs> not doing anything. <laughs> They look kind of flat and lazy. They're, they're lifeless, right? They don't do any work. What do you think you, knew, you need to do to get them to do work? You need to put your hands in them, right? So as you put these gloves on, now you can do a lot of work. You can go out and pull weeds in the garden. You can do some 
hoeing in the garden. You can mow the lawn. You can lift heavy things, and it helps protect your hands. You can help people move into a new city. And I didn't think about getting my gloves out because we had so much help from people. But here's the thing about gloves. It's not the gloves that do the work. It's the hand that's inside of the gloves that do the work. It can hammer nails. They can rake leaves. They can open doors. They can do many different things. But it's not the gloves that do it. It's the person inside of the gloves. The Apostle Paul explained this this way when it comes to our Christianity. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Sometimes we may start thinking that we do some pretty great things. We may brag about how many people we have told about Jesus. Or we might tell everybody about how much work we do around the church. We might say, look at me, I do this, I do that. We might talk about how much we love to do worship up here. And, but, and I, I'm not saying this because I hear people say that at all. But here's the thing, it's not you that does all these things. It's Christ who lives in you. As Paul said, it is not I, but Christ who lives in me. So the next time you start to think you have done something great, remember the work gloves. They can do nothing without the hand inside of you. You and I can do nothing without Christ inside of us. We're never going to live up to our full potential of life. And we've talked a lot about that lately with being in this series of grace in Galatians. We're never going to have the true hope that we should have we're never going to have the true joy that we should have. We're never going to have the true peace that we should have. We're always going to be looking for something more as long as we don't have Christ filling those gloves. We're always going to be lifeless like those gloves flopping around until you put the hand inside of them, until you put Christ inside of them. Going a different direction now, maybe you feel like you are doing nothing right now. Maybe you feel like you just are incapable. You just do not know where to turn. Let me urge you to turn to Jesus. We need Jesus. We need the saving power of the cross to rescue us. Jesus does not need us. We need him. But you know what? He wants us. That's a glorious thing, isn't it? Jesus doesn't need us. He's the son of God. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. Have you ever heard of the song, Wanted, Dead, or Alive by Bon Jovi? I was thinking about that song this week, and I'm sorry to mention a secular song like that, but I was just thinking of this concept, and you'll get it here in a minute. Wanted, dead, or alive. Well, guess what? When it comes to Christ, when it comes to God, we're not wanted, dead, or alive. We're wanted alive, alive in Christ. And even with that, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because we are crucified with Christ. It's because of his death. It's because of our death to ourselves that we are alive. That's totally backwards in what the world would think or what we think we want to believe. We're not alive when we kill ourselves, but spiritually, metaphorically speaking, we are alive most when we surrender ourselves, when we die to our own ways so we can look to the ways of God. When we can look to allowing Jesus to fill our lives, just like we spoke of Jesus filling that work glove. We are alive in Christ. Now remember here, Last week's sermon, and if you weren't in here, you can look on YouTube or on your podcast app or SoundCloud. Last week, we were talking about Paul confronting Peter. So we continue in the final part of chapter 2. There we are. In the final part of chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, is still Paul speaking to Peter, speaking to the Jewish people here who are trying to separate themselves from the Gentiles. 
And Paul is finishing up this, this confrontation, this statement, when he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for, it, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You're wanted. You know, we can think of the old westerns where you can see lots of fugitive posters around. Some of you like old westerns on TV, Clint Eastwood movies, John Wayne. Um, I can't think of some other names right now. The Rifleman, that's a good one, right? But there's some movies. You see these fugitive signs hanging up next to the bank, next to the sheriff's uh, house, and it says, wanted, dead or alive. That's not how Christ wants. If, if that sign was up in this church, if that sign was posted by God, it would say, wanted alive. Here's my point number one for you. Stop playing dead. Stop playing dead. God does not want you to be dead. Neither should you want to be dead. God wants you to be alive. And this is how you should want to be. You should want to live alive in God because God's going to help you to live to the fullest potential. Because he's the one that created us. From our innermost being, he knows us. He has the hairs of our head numbered, and he knows how he created you to be. He knows the gifts that he created you to have. He knows the passions that he created you to have. And those passions, those gifts are only going to be used to their full potential when you surrender to him and you let him lead you. You let him be that glove, fill that glove. He does not want you to be dead or alive, but alive, alive only and continuing to live According to his works and his way, the ways of the world only leads to death, but living according to grace gives us life, life forevermore. God provided a way out, and that way out is Jesus. Maybe you're playing dead. Maybe you are alive, but you're playing dead more than you're playing alive. You're not really letting people see that you're alive. Or maybe you really are not playing you're just dead, and you've never thought about it before. You've never thought about your life, but now you think about your life, and you feel like, I'm always looking for something. I, I just feel like I'm always trying to fill something within me. Are you dead or alive? What are you? Because God wants you alive. Allow him to raise you up from the ground. Allow him to raise you up from six feet under to be on cloud nine with him. So do me a favor now, open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, grab one from in front of you in the pews. You can use your cell phone, your tablet. Open it up to Romans chapter 6. I don't care what you use, but go ahead and open it up. If you're sleeping, this is the time to wake up. I want you to hear this. I want you to be awake for God's word. Open up to Romans chapter 6. I heard a pastor explaining it like this one time. He said, it was uh, Pastor J.D. Greer, he said, if you see somebody sleeping beside you in church, I'm not saying you have to do this, but he said, give them a slap on the back of the head because you might just be slapping the devil out of them because the devil is who wants to separate you from God's word. So the same thing happens with your cell phone. If you're using your cell phone or your tablet to read God's word, great. I use mine all the time. I got 50 different translations, 100 different commentaries on my phone. It's great. But... If you're scrolling through Facebook, if you're looking at Instagram, if you're doing these things instead of reading the Word of God, you're allowing Satan to get in the way from what God wants to tell you. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 14 says this. 
What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. Verse 6 of Romans 6 says this, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore rang in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. In your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Thank you very much. And you can keep that open. We're going to be looking at that throughout today's message or we'll at least be talking about it. But point number two then is this. Recognize the power of the cross. Recognize the power of the cross. Being crucified with Christ gives you power to raise up to a new life. A life living. Recognize the power. Remember the power. It's a new life characterized by love. Characterized by his love. The love of God to send his one and only son to die for you. Yet while you're still sinners, he died for you. Because we are unrighteous. From the very beginning of time, we make choices that are selfish and based upon our own wants, our own desires, sinful actions. Your life may be changed, or your, your life is changed. When a person recognizes the power of the cross and accepts the forgiveness that Christ gives, he or she, spiritually, is crucified with Christ. Your old life dies, and you are able to rise up to a new you. But too often, we keep looking back to that old you. And we're not supposed to. When Paul uses this illustration that he is crucified with Christ, he's meaning he is nothing like he was before. He is a new person. Don't even think about him as he was, but look to him as he is now. This past week on Thursday morning in our Thursday morning Bible study at Main Street Cafe, we're looking to Matthew 13, the end of 13, and Jesus coming into his own town of Nazareth to worship and to teach in the synagogue. And many people would not look to him. Many people didn't believe him. They said, who is this man with all this wisdom teaching? You see, they recognized the great wisdom he had, but they didn't want to recognize who he was. They said, is this the carpenter's son? Is this the son of Mary? Is this the brother of, is this the, do, the, the, the brother of so-and-so, the brother of so-and-so, with the sisters of so-and-so? They didn't want to recognize for who he was because... They knew who he was growing up as a kid. Now, that's not saying that he was a bad kid by any means. I don't know if 
how godly he was as a kid coming up. I know that one time he was found teaching as a child or he was found in the synagogue listening. But what I do know is this. Sometimes the hardest place to do ministry is in your own town because people know your past. We need to not look to people for who they are or their past, but we need to look to, peop look to people, listen to people to hear what the person inside of them has to say. Look to them for what the person filling that gloves has to do. That's the person that's speaking through them now. That's the person that Paul's talking about. He is a new person. He's not the old Paul. He's a new Paul. He's Paul 2.0. As now he has Christ inside of him. You have victory over sin. You have victory over your past, present, and future. That's something hard because a lot of times we think, I've had victory over sin. I've had victory over my past. But we seem to forget that we also have victory each and every single day with Jesus. We have victory each and every single day as Jesus continues to be alive in you. And because of Jesus being alive in you, you too are alive. Your old ways or the ways of the world may try to creep back in, but you can be victorious through him that lives within you. Moving on, we have the next point here. Recognize the power of the cross. Look to who now lives inside of you. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Does Christ live inside of you? If you're a believer in Christ Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior, then the answer is yes, Christ lives inside of you. But maybe you need a reminder of this. I know I need to remind myself of this each and every single day. Maybe you need to remind yourself of this today. Maybe you needed to remind yourself of this yesterday when you're going through a struggle or a crisis. Maybe you need to remind yourself as, as you were thrown into a situation that you didn't know to, how to handle. Maybe as Satan was trying to pull you down and make you look at Facebook or fall asleep, you need to remind yourself, it is Christ who lives inside of me. Christ gives me power. Christ gives me strength. Christ gives me joy despite all that's going on in my life. Christ gives me hope. Christ gives me life. Look to who lives inside of you and show others who lives inside of you. We'll get to that in a moment. Put away the old you and don't look back. We must not get in the habit of taking God for granted either. We must not spit in his face or offend him with this newfound notion that we can just live however we want to. And really it's not a newfound notion because if we look to that Romans 6, it starts out like this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? You're not to take this for granted. You're not to continue to sin and just think, oh, I'll just keep living my life how I see fit. I'll keep doing what I want to do. I'll keep living according to the pleasures of the flesh, the pleasures of this world, and then I'll ask forgiveness later. That's not how it works. You are to walk in the newness of the life you now have. This brings me to the next point here. Show everyone the one who lives inside of you. Show everyone the one who lives inside of you. Live a life worthy of his love. Live a life worthy of his love. And we're going to talk more about that statement in a moment because, well, we'll get to it in a moment. Here's the question to go along with that. If someone was to paint a picture of you and your life, would they see Jesus? If there was a master painter, and the only one I can 
see in my, in my mind is one that used to be on PBS with the fuzzy hair and drawing pictures of a lake with trees next to it. I don't remember his name. Anybody remember his name? Bob Ross. There we go. If Bob Ross was looking at you like a lake with trees next to it, if Thomas Kincaid, there we go, was painting a picture of you, what would he see? In all the detail, painters, artists, they amaze me with the detail they can have. How would you look? How would you talk? If they were to look at this painting and they were to paint you, if they looked at everything, how you look, how you talk, how you walk, they look at your choices that you make every day, your activities or actions in everyday life, would they know of the one who lives inside of you? Would they know that you are alive? That you are saved by the blood of Christ? If they look to you at school, if they look to you at work, if they look to you in your home, early in the morning, late at night, when you're in your home city, when you're far away visiting somebody else, what would that painting look like? Would they see Jesus in your life? You know, we, we all struggle at times. We do. That's why I say in the morning or late at night. That's why I say at school or at work. That's why I say in the home or not in the home. We all struggle at times. But in those times, those deepest struggles, do you recognize the power that you have? Do you recognize that Jesus lives inside of you? Do they see Jesus? Because you're wanted alive. Be alive. Galatians 2.20 reminds us that we have faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave his life for you. Do you love him? 1 John 4.19 says we should love him because he first loved us. We should be appreciative of his love. But this is what I said I, I want to talk about in a minute because my last point can somewhat uh, lead you astray here that we should be living in a way that's worthy of his love. Well, we should be. We should be appreciative of his love, but we must not turn this into another case of trying to earn his favor, of thinking, well, because he loved me, I need to show him this love and that love and this love. That's great things to do, but not if it's for the purpose of thinking that we're going to earn our salvation, because we never could. By trying to earn or pay him back for what he so freely gave us, you can never pay him back because Jesus never stops living and dying for you. Every day is continually covering your sins. You see, it's like us trying to catch up with a friend who's running a marathon. But the problem with it is that friend running the marathon, he's not really going to stop at 26.2 miles. And I wouldn't even make it 26.2 miles, but say I could. Jesus keeps on going. It's not even an ultra marathon, which is something like 50 miles. Isn't that insane? Praise God people can do that. But Jesus keeps on going. He continues to live for you. He continues to die for you. He continues to cover your sin. You can never catch up to him. You can't pay him back because he's still dying for you. You can't catch up to his grace through your works. There's one thing that you can do, though. There's one thing that you can do if you've never done it before. And that's show him your love by submitting yourself to him. And I'm talking a total surrender type of love. A total surrender type of submitting yourself to him. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to think that, well, i got to figure this out and that out and this out before I can accept Jesus, before I can truly submit to him. Because I have answers for you. You're never going to know everything. 
You're never going to know all the answers to life. You're not. You're never created to. But one day, if you submit to him, if you surrender to him, and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you restore that right relationship with God, we're going to meet the one who does know all things. By faith, we are accepted by God. And by faith, we are alive to God. All because of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Have faith in him. Tell God, you know what? I don't know everything, but you do know everything. What I do know is your word tells me I am a sinner. You know what? We can see that by looking to our lives. We know of the things we do which would offend God. We know of things that would offend our own mom, and she loves us a lot. Have faith in him and gain life. Be truly alive in faith. Faith in Jesus. Ask forgiveness and give him your life today. Let him into your life and be alive. Have faith not just in his life or his death, but in him continually being alive, continually dying for you, continuing, continuing to cover your mistakes. It's an easy choice, a good choice, so don't overthink it, but do it. Once you're alive, be alive. This means living based off the example that Christ gives us. This means some of these statements. Forgiven people should be forgiving people. Joyful people should be joy-spreading people. Living people should be life-spreading people. People given grace should be sharing grace. I understand some of those statements might mean the same thing and just twisted some words around, but maybe it connects with you in a different way. These are just a few things we should be doing if we are truly alive. We should be living like we're alive. We should be appreciative and recognizing of the power of grace in all that Christ does for us. We should be paying it forward. Show your love for Jesus to others. And then finally, we come to verse 21. Verse 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Some people want to believe that Jesus was just a man or a prophet, not the Son of God. Some people, they say that they believe in God, they believe in heaven. They even believe in Jesus, but they don't believe that it is by his sacrifice that we're saved. Some people, they want to pick and choose what they believe from the Bible. And this is ridiculous. You can't pick and choose what you believe. You see, it just doesn't make any sense at all. You don't watch a movie, and then at the end of the movie say, well, I want to believe in this part of the movie, but not that part of the movie. You know what? Let's just cut this whole part out, because I don't like that part. The same thing goes for a book. You cannot simply change certain parts of the book because it would change the whole outcome. It would change the whole plot. It would change the author's very purpose. God gave us a great book, the Bible. And the Bible is 100% true. And if we begin to try and think we can pick and choose what to believe, it changes the author's very purpose. It changes the meaning behind it. It takes away from the impact that it can have in your life. If we try to live off a system of works, we in essence are saying that Christ died for nothing. And that's what Paul is saying here. We could have just done it all ourselves. We, if we could earn our own salvation with God by meticulously obeying the law or by doing works, then there was no need for Jesus to die. We're saying that God in all his wisdom, the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, he just wasted the Son of God. He just killed him. 
and brought him back to life for nothing. He sent him through that persecution and that torture for nothing. That doesn't make sense. Why would God give us Christ in the cross if he intended fully for us to just keep living according to old ways, according to works and the law? This, again, just doesn't make sense. God desires our love. God desires to have a relationship with us. And that is why we have Jesus. That is why we have grace. Because we know there was no other way. Here in Galatians, we can be absolutely sure that Paul knew for sure that Jesus Christ had done for him what no other, no other person could and not even himself. If anyone could have saved himself, it would have been somebody like Paul. Paul was a man of the law. Paul was a man who was brought up from early childhood to be a man who meticulously looked at the law. Paul was a man who enforced the old laws and killed Christians, persecuted them. And yet God used even a man like him. But if, if anybody was going to be saved by works by the law, or if anyone was to think that I don't need grace, I don't need Jesus, I'm good enough on my own, it would be him. But even the Pauls of the world recognize that they can't do it on their own. They're not strong enough. They're not wise enough. They're not perfect enough. They're sinful. And we are too. Paul made a choice to follow Christ. He fell at the mercy of God and he found such a change in his life that he described his life change as being crucified with Christ. There was such a change that his new life wasn't even recognizable by the old life. He was a new person in Christ. We can be too. We can be a totally new person. That's never going to help if you keep, that's never going to happen if you keep holding on to certain parts of your past. The Bible tells us we could not do it ourselves, for none are righteous, no, not one. We could not do it ourselves because we are sinful, selfish people who are only saved by grace, God's grace, Jesus, the cross. We needed Jesus. You see, Jesus wanted us alive. God wanted us alive. We needed him. He died for you. One pastor says this, the true Christian life is not so much a believer's living for Christ as much as Christ living through the believer. Let me say that again. The true Christian life is not so much a believer's living for Christ, that's part of it, but as much as Christ living through the believer. That's what makes you have a changed life. It's not about you, it's about him. It's about Jesus being in you. When you're living a live life with Christ, you have the Son of God indwelling in your life every day. And I don't know about you, but I don't do nearly enough every single day, and I never could to deserve or earn the right to have the Son of God, to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in my life. There's no way. It's a grace which is undeserved. Colossians 2.9 says that in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It says in 2 Peter 1.4 that the, the fullness of God also dwells in every believer as partakers of the divine nature. The person who tries to deny Christ or the importance of grace insults all of Christianity. For the pillars of the gospel are the grace of God and the death of Jesus. You can't have heaven without that. You can't say, well, I want to believe in this heaven... I, I, I recognize there's a heaven and hell. I recognize there has to be something beyond this life, but I don't want to believe in Jesus. Because it's only because of Jesus 
that we have that life. It's only because of Jesus that we can have a room reserved for him in a place with golden streets. You need to believe in the whole Bible. This is what frees you. This is what gives you victory. And to start to wrap up, I want to end with this. What should an alive life look like? Besides the things, what we've said, the mixture of things, specifically, what does an alive in Christ life look like? Alive in Christ, you're no longer slave to sinful actions or desires. That's what that Romans 6 that you've had in front of you talks about. Looking back, an alive life is a life no longer slave to sinful actions or desires. All your past sin, present sin, future sins have been paid for by the cross. Jesus continues to live and die for you each day. But you need to be alive in him for that to happen. Because of this, we may be victorious every day by his grace. Romans 5, 8-9, we're told that we are declared righteous by his blood. Sin no longer has dominion over your life. Love has dominion over your life. Being alive in Christ should also mean having a life devoted to prayer and close connection with God. A life committed to studying and obeying the word of God. The Bible is 100% truth. Living a life of loving God more than you love yourself. Living a life of loving others. But most importantly, being alive in Christ is to be alive in Christ means to have repented and given your life to him. Jesus is Lord and Savior over you and your life. There's no life apart from Christ, but there's also no life apart from recognizing that you need both a Lord and Savior. He can't just be your Savior. He must also be Lord over your life. He must be king. You must be making your choices according to his will, not your own. His will is what's best anyways. He knows all things. He is all things. He's in all things. He's all powerful. Jesus wants you to be alive. Do you want to be dead or alive? Before I close in prayer, I want to look to that end of Romans 6 that you read. And it says this in verse 10 to 14. For the death he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not, let, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. May we leave with that thought on our mind today. For sin will have no dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. Let's live according to that. Let's look to the grace of God. Let's look to living alive in him. God doesn't want you to be dead. From the beginning of creation, he created us to have a relationship with him. But our sin separates us from him. But paying the price for sin, Jesus came and died for you. Accept Jesus today. Eternal life can start today. You can live today and forevermore. Jesus wants you to be alive. Give your life to him today. Let's pray as the worship band comes up to close us in song.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for wanting us to be alive, wanting us to be alive so much that you came and died for us, yet while we are still sinners. Lord, we thank you for living inside of us and helping us each and every single day. But Lord, we also pray today for those who don't know you. We pray that they will t make a choice. They won't overthink it anymore. They won't think they need all the answers. But Lord, we pray today they will just have faith. They will submit to you. We pray right now that they will pray a prayer like this. Father in heaven, Jesus, please forgive me for my sins today. I let you down each and every single day with trying to do things on my own. But Lord, I need you. Please forgive me, save me, Lord, and come into my life as Lord and Savior. Help me today, cover my sins, and make me white as snow. Lord, help me to look to you each and every single day and to live for you for now on each day as we look towards the future. To be alive in you, to be victorious over our sin. And Lord, it's in your holy and powerful name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. If you said that prayer today for the first time, I want you to come to me, talk to me, talk to a deacon. Or maybe if you're struggling with other things and just today you decide to fully submit to him, come and talk to somebody, share it with somebody so they can be praying with you, so they can be living life with you and helping you through each stage. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love one another, to help one another. Amen. Let's stand and let's close with the wonderful cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches
going to keep on playing. That might mean that we're going to be late to Sunday school, but that's okay. Right now, I just want to urge you, if you feel God tugging at your soul right now, maybe you've tried to do everything on your own, and you just realize, I can't do it anymore. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe it's accepting Christ for the first time. Maybe it's you're just knowing now from this sermon, from this song, the wonderful cross, you realize you need that. You need to surrender it all, and you need to lay at his feet. I'm going to ask Brian to keep on playing one more time. Come forward. Come pray with me. Come speak with me. And if there's more people than what I can handle, well, God will provide other people to come forward. When I survey the
wrap up, I just want to encourage you. I know it's hard to come forward. It's hard to come to God and surrender it all. But it's not about a prayer. It's not about coming forward. You can do it right where you're at. You can do it at home. Just ask Jesus to come into your life. I encourage you around your dinner table. It's around lunch today. Talk about Christ. Talk about the power of the cross. Talk about what you appreciate in Christ, what he's done for you in your life. Look to him today. It's in his name we're saved. Amen. You're dismissed.